Hey everyone, welcome to the World's OKS Entrepreneur, the podcast for the OK entrepreneur who's just kind of figured it out as they go. On today's episode, we talked to Ashley Morgan from Unglued in uh, Fargo, and it was a great conversation. We both know Ashley uh, as we've done, we both taught it, taught it Unglued, showed it Unglued, and uh, Lurse was actually an OG. Yeah, I kind of have been part of Ashley's like ecosystem fan club or whatever for a very long time. I did one of her first events and I was like, oh, this is fun. I can't believe this exists in Fargo. And it was really fun to kind of, you'll find out from today's episode that she's just trying to create in the world what she wants to see. So the reason that I was like, wow, this um, exists in Fargo, this is cool, is really because that's been Ashley's whole entire mission the entire time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You're just going to have to listen to Ashley's episode. You're going to enjoy it. She's just like such a rad human and just like good time. So hopefully right now you're ready for to buckle up for some really good times and just laugh along the way because it was filled with so much joy. And so much laughter. She has such a good laugh. So yeah. on to the show. On to the show. Sometimes actually when I'm working in my shop, we'll just put headphones on, even earbuds, just to focus but not listen to anything at all. Like, it just helps me focus, mm. like, canceling things out. Yeah. I could put earbuds in, like, earplugs, but I don't. I just, like... I actually do the same thing here. Like, people are, like, they're so respectful of my time, but still, like, even here in my office, like, I or it's almost like I get more focused in the work, so I, like, don't even get to the process of opening up, like, Spotify and being like, oh, what am I going to... I'm just, like, I'm just putting these on yes. now. And 100%. Then, yeah. <laughs> and then at some point, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to go listen to music now or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, Justin told me I need these because at coffee shops, like in Fargo, you know everybody, kind of almost no matter who you are. Yeah, no, oh, totally. yeah. He's like, if you have these on, then people are going to be like, she's clearly working. Not like, oh, hi. Oh, you have your butts in. Sorry. You know, like kind of thing. So with you working for such a big staff, do you have things like that that you have to do to kind of maintain your focus? Because if you're always available, you people are going to ask you, oh, hey, like blah, blah, blah. How do you create that space for yourself? I don't work from our story area a lot, oh, okay. um, which is tricky because I actually love it. We moved to Brujala, right? And it's like this giant marketplace. And I fucking love it. Like I love working out there. There's this natural light. There's tons of people co-working, but I know everybody there. And I know like a lot of the people we're planning events with and that kind of thing that aren't just our crew. <laughs> and so I do work from home. Then I work from a coffee shop. Then I work. I go to different cities sometimes to get a lot of work done. Um, like I came to the coven mm-hmm. um, not that long ago to just work and not be around people I knew at all. So sometimes I have to fully remove myself. But otherwise, people know. I think similar to what you said, people know I'm just trying to get shit done yeah. and need to stay in the flow. I mean, it makes you feel any better. I know the coven also owners, they also typically don't work from the coven oh, because they also like, because <laughs> it is, it's like they, well, they work, know when they're working at the coven, like it's a different mindset. Like I am, yeah. I'm choosing to know that I could be networking or meeting people or something like that versus like, if you need deep focus work, like it's a different environment. I actually, I mean, I don't even do deep focus work from here. I go and work from home. So. Okay. Yeah, totally. And I think switching it up, I have to switch it up a lot. I'll get like in a flow and I can like totally be a brujala a whole bunch and then I have to be like, okay, that was a whole week of that and this isn't working anymore. And so I just change up where I'm working from. I don't have a formal office, but I do like the idea of it because this is so freaking cute in here. It's funny because <laughs> I have a formal office in our shop, but I oftentimes find myself at the kitchen table to focus. Yeah. Right? Right. It's exactly where I work from, from home all the time. It's at our kitchen table, which I think Atomic Habits, 
like talks really about like having those different environments that you like, this is for work, this is for sleep, this is for leisure, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm like, that is not our house. But maybe that's something I'll change in the future if it's like really uh, like holding me back. But again, like I was saying, yeah, like I was saying in the break room, I was like, but that fridge, your old friend fridge, like you're working and you're like, hey, fridge, can I come look inside? I cannot stop eating Hershey chocolate bars and I hate them but they're when I'm in my house we have all our s'more stuff from camp there right now I'm just like so anyways I have to like remove myself from these situations sometimes oh yeah the fridge the Hershey bars oh my god I can't yeah I don't buy stuff like that at my house for that reason like oh my god it was terrible we were like in Hawaii and we got like these like $20 they're amazing chocolate bars I forget the business's name but I'll eventually figure it out (laughs) <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I just would like every like one hour I'd be like, I did this hard project. I'm just going to snap off a little piece and pop that in my mouth. And Rewards. Keep going. Mm. But I don't know. But you've been doing the. Uh, so this was like one of the interesting things was like recently got confirmed, like which was always my suspicion of ADHD. If you can hear that, people that are listening to this, there's construction going on behind us and I can't control that. So, yes. But anywho, so, but my person that confirmed, I was like, well, I want to kind of like look at skills, like, you know, for all of this to have like gotten this far in my life, you know, Mm. so... I obviously, I, like, I don't want to change too much, but I just kind of wanted that confirmation. I was kind of like saying like, I want skills and not pills. And then he was like, why don't you try this Pomodoro technique? And it was like, do every like 25 minutes on, and then you get a five minute break. And it actually has to do with this, like Andrew then actually did this whole thing. Yeah, I actually bought a timer that had that flips from 25 to five. Like you'd flip it when it's done. No it's way. very fun and tactile. Yeah. And they also have like a 30 minute and three minute. They have like a, they have different ones. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually this whole technique that's actually designed around this product. Yeah. Which is actually, <laughs> it's called the Pomodoro technique because it's literally. It was a kitchen. The reason the guy. Tomato. Yeah, the guy, like the re- how he came up with it, he had this kitchen timer that was shaped like a tomato. Okay. From Pomodoro in I think, Italian. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he basically was like setting these timers like that. That's how the t- technique got, got set up. And now they actually make these like little timers that you can buy on Amazon. Yeah. That are Pomodoro timers. It's like a Pictionary timer. Yeah. You like flip it and it goes beep and then it sets the timer for 25 minutes and starts running. And then once you're done, you flip it to five, you take a break. And so I did it this week actually, and it helped me focus substantially. There was one day where it didn't quite work out just because I was kind of all all over the place, but Mm -hmm. it worked out really good. I'm kind of curious to try because I feel like that... I mean, I've actually been doing really good of like doing like the three things in the morning. Like these are the three mm, things I need yep. to crush. Yeah. Like, and then just like, well, actually I've been doing the whole like writing exercise that's in Dan Sullivan's book, The Gap and the Gain, which is um, every night I journal then like what were my three wins for the day? And then I journal what do I want my three wins to be for this day? So in mm. setting those intentions and that's actually been like really, what's actually so funny is like I always write down my three wins and I'm like, Honestly, a lot of my wins don't have to do with my business, which I'm like really like self-analyzing a lot of. So that's wild. Yeah. I started the five minute gratitude journal a while ago and I was like really going downhill mentally when we were moving into Brujala. And there is like the highlights from your day. I can't remember if it's three or five or something like that. And that was the best reflection. And then it was setting like, what are the three things that are going to make your day great in the morning writing that? And all of a sudden it was like, oh, it's so easy to make this a really good day if you just spend time thinking about that and reflecting on it. And that helped organize the three top things to get done today and all of that, which I really loved a lot. Right. So before you were in Bruhala, what was, let's go back. Like, let's go back to the beginning of Unglued, like when you started. Like, let's start the story here. I'm curious. Yes. 
Well, we actually well, glued. Well, I couldn't tell like, you anything. Well, first off, you left nursing to start unglued. <laughs> like, why did you pick nursing? Sure. So I wanted to be a medical missionary when I was in high school. I thought I was going to live overseas, never get married, just create change in the world by medical things, right? And so I went to school initially to be an MD. And then that first semester of college, my dad had heart surgery, all this stuff. I saw, well, I want to be a nurse if I'm going to do this. But I hate a nursing school the whole way through it. And I remember I'd cry and call my mom. I was good at it. Like I knew how I, it, I think it's easy to work hard and be good at things if you try, right? Like, or whatever. And she'd be like, just try another semester or figure out what you want to do instead of that. And so I finished it. I went to be a nurse in St. Paul at Regents Hospital and as long as in the cardiac world. But all along the way, like from little Ashley child putting on penny carnivals, painting over graffiti on our in our county, you know, like uh-huh. starting club friendly, like was always doing events along the way. Club friendly. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like 11. Our our theme song was Dionne Warwick's That's What Friends Are For. And so there's this cutest little footage of us on like our deck initiating like, our neighborhood friends into this club that was just going to like do good and like be together doing it, all this stuff. It was very cute. We did penny carnivals too in our backyard. My mom would make like a fish pond. But in college, while I was doing nursing school, I we would put on creative events. So like in our garage, we put on, it was called Taste of Harmony, which was, was a little coffee house. We had a little shitty espresso maker. We'd put all our couches out there, put twinkly lights up, we wrote a, so- a theme song that we'd sing. And then people would come up and they would read their poetry, sing their songs. It was a creative platform for people really in the end. And I loved doing events. And so when I moved here, I'd volunteer at Club Three Degrees, if you're familiar with that used to exist. And I booked shows at a different coffee house and things. And so it was always an event involved. They never let that die. And so when I moved to Fargo, because I met Justin, I was getting together with friends to make and create things. And um, we were still at like the first event Justin and I ever did in Fargo. I don't know if I've ever talked to them. <laughs> was a flash mob pillow fight on the corner of Main Avenue and Broadway. And so I was in this new city and we found a way, I forget, it was like pre well, those are 2007 probably, six or seven, and I forget how we even promoted it, but. I remember flash mobs were like a thing. It was totally a thing. I mean, it's exactly, you did exactly what it sounds like. You had a flash mob and it was a, you brought your pillow and you had a pillow fight. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to confirm that magicalness existed in the world. (laughs) We saw it happening overseas, I think. I can picture being like, this happened in Spain. Somehow we saw it. We're like, we that in Fargo. I had no idea what a press release was. So I forget how there was news that showed up there kind of thing. And there was just, you know, feathers flying. It was cold and shitty weather kind of thing. And it was really fun. And Justin and I kept putting on shows like he was in a band. Um, We thought we'd maybe do a music venue together someday, but kept this whole event side. And then friends and I, who were not working creative jobs, got together to craft and make shit. And some of those friends, not me, started to sell their work. And they just were not succeeding in traditional shows in Fargo like whether it was like the big one there's one that's called like ones in schools ones in other little venues or big venues and even outside of Fargo they weren't succeeding not they didn't necessarily go to Minneapolis level and so we had gone just to a friend's white coat ceremony in Iowa and I was invited someone handed me a flyer at the farmer's market that said to go to market days and so we walked over there and it was like the modern craft market and I was like holy shit this is what Fargo needs for all these friends that I now am like have and I'm meeting through my friends at these shows that are just frustrated that they weren't selling well at traditional shows. So I was like, I love doing events. I'll put on a craft market. I'll make sure it's in the dead of winter when there's not holiday shows going on. We don't want to take away from what exists. 
when these makers and probably others still need like a place to sell their stuff when it's the slower season. And so Unglued started in 2010 by just doing this one day event. It was going to be called so many other names, but we were just naming a craft fest. And it was like February, March at the Little American Legion building downtown, the snowy, crazy weather. And that like people just lined around the freaking block and showed up for all these modern makers. You were there. I was there. Telling the story just now. Like I've no, <laughs> you were there as left-hand originals. Yeah. So funny. Yeah, That's like I've been doing her events sitting for here forever. Oh, like I knew that coming in here today, but somehow that all just became so much more. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the response was crazy. Like, yeah, it was insane. Ago. And we had free workshops there, live music, all that kind of stuff that I loved to. I was a part of other things like that ahead of it, like the music part, especially. And it started as unglued. Unglued Craft Fest. Wow. Yeah. It was a very stressful day. Uh, Justin was in like Africa filming some clean water video stuff. Christina, my sister-in-law, who's super involved at Unglued, was still studying abroad in South Korea, I think. It was just me setting up. And the guy with the alternative, sorry, I can go into rabbit holes, but this guy who does the alternative newspaper in town, like walked into the American Legion building and putting shit everywhere. And my face is on the cover of their alternative magazine or uh, newspaper. And I was like, what if this sucks? (laughs) Oh, man. Why did this suddenly become about me in any way? I just wanted this to be for makers. And anyways, it was, thankfully, it was wildly successful for makers. Um, and people showed up. So go Fargo. You did it. I guess I'm just curious. What were the other names? You said there was a lot of other names. A lot of, oh, for Unglued. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, This American Life had just come out. So we wanted to name it This Handmade Life. Real clever, I know. And then Rock the Red was another one. And that would have been way more like that could never have been a store. I wasn't thinking it was going to be a store, right? Like, yeah. Um, Rock the Red because the Red River. Uh, okay. Oh, I can't think of the other ones now. Those are the top two, though. And then my friend's dad, <laughs> we were visiting them down in Minneapolis, said the dog gets so unglued when people sneeze. And we were like, oh, my God, unglued. Like we had just been thinking about the name and we're like, it sounds weird and crafty. So it's not assumed that's going to be a normal craft fest. Right. But it also sounds crafty. That's glue. <laughs> yeah. That's glue. There's so many dad jokes now, though. Well, that still happens all the time when I'm working behind the counter and I'm like, you're so funny. Like, <laughs> anyways, that's how Unglued started. It was just the craft fest. I had learned that another maker in Grand Forks that had a small third street art gallery had gone to school. I had went to, we had both gone to school in the Iron Range of Minnesota High School. And so she just randomly said, you need more of this. Like, what if you did quarterly shows or a pop-up shop or like there just needs to be a space for this in Fargo and that kind of just put that little idea in my mind like maybe I could do this and it we did a pop-up shop that holiday season while I was still a nurse working in the stress lab full-time and we just did it Thursday through Sundays <laughs> casual yeah yes but I had the best bosses everyone always knew what I really wanted to do <laughs> right it wasn't a craft shop you know or working with local makers I just knew I wanted to do something else within the creative community yeah. whenever I start something like basically you were went into community building in a way. Yeah. That's really what you wanted to do. From it sounds like that is like from being a child to at this time, you were like, I want to build community. Yeah. Creatively. Like Creatively. It, it always was like, I'm gonna do it with music. I'm gonna do it with like a coffee shop or something like that. Or just give people who aren't being seen a place to be seen. And then that kind of has turned into with the events that we do. Like I want to bring in people who don't feel creative to come and get creative as a freaking adult who needs it way more than kids do because they're naturally already that way. And so they have tons of opportunities in the world. People are helping them take time for that. That is like what you do. <laughs> um, but as an adult, you lose that and you lose that drive. And so now we exist for like that connection for people to connect. And we're finding it works so great with craft, whether it's with through camp or workshop or that kind of thing and connecting to their creative side that I think people need 
so dramatically today. It's funny because after teaching a camp and seeing how adults basically go through this process of crafting, mm -hmm. it's almost like they're they're so slow to it at first. And it's like they, they're like relearning this muscle they had when they were a kid. But then by the end of the day, everyone's just like amped and like, I'm making some crafts, like I'm doing some wood burning. And it's like, it's really funny to watch. Yes. Totally. Justin, uh, this past summer camp, did a stained glass pumpkin, 3D stained glass pumpkin. <laughs> he was like walking, my husband Justin was walking around camp like, I, I made this. Like, I, and he can make anything. Yeah. But it was like, <laughs> felt so good that he made this thing, you know? And even if it's shitty, it's like people tried something. And so that's what we really want to instill in people too when they come to camp for that kind of thing is like, it might not be perfect, but it, why would it be? It's the first time you tried it. It's your fucking first time. Like, you need to give yourself that grace, but also just try new stuff. It doesn't have to be perfect every time. And so even if you're not going to become a professional wood burner, which no one should have to justify that anyways by doing that, you can, you'll have that urge to try something new, hopefully, or just get more curiosity happening. So what do you say to adults then? Like, I feel like I've heard that so many times where people are like, oh, but I'm just not crafty. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like they see like you can build this, but... I can't do this. Like, I'm not crafty. Do you have something that you say to people to get them out of their head? Not super cleverly. I'll just be like, just try it. Everything that is happening around us in the shop, when people come in and they see the cool stuff that's there, or they think that I make it all, which is hilarious. <laughs> I'll be like, you should just try it. Just try it. Like, you might find a new hobby. You might find something that you're terrible at, but I bet it's going to just make you curious um, and wonder what else you could do or try. If you can just let go of that like type A vibe of like, it has to be perfect that first time. Right. Like you will feel so much fulfillment in that. I don't have an easy way to say that to people. I just kind of cater to whoever I'm talking to. No, I feel like you just did. I think it's like yeah. that allowing for you to be curious and just like going through the process, I think is honestly like I've heard people say it before and I'm like, no, you are like, yes. you know, and you're just telling yourself this weird story that's really downing on yourself. Like right. as humans, we do a really good job of really building ourselves up. Yeah, talking ourselves out of the thing that we know we can do. Yeah. And reminding people like creativity is not just. Yeah. For, like you are probably creative all day long, like problem solving as a nurse, like right. uh, getting creative solutions to things and that kind of thing. And I bet it could translate if you just like get a little like, I want to stay busy with your hands, but that could just go to places. <laughs> Wait. Well, if that would be a funny tagline too, just get like get busy with your hands. But if you can just disconnect and make something for a while, it's yeah. like quiet, that fight and flight response that you so easily get all the time every day. Right. Um, depending on what your work is, or especially if you're a small business owner. And there's just something magical about it, letting go and making it. So you went from the American Legion, correct? Mm, yes. And then from there, where did it, how did it take off? So you got the store from Thursday to... Yes, the pop-up shop, a five-week lease. Yes, yep. and that we have five-week lease. <laughs> yes, love that. <laughs> I think the shop, I should say the shop was open for five weeks. The lease is probably two months. Okay, okay. I got it on my 30th birthday. And then we moved to Brahalla around my 40th birthday. I was very like, what's with these 10-year markers? <laughs> what's 15 going to be? Because I'm really ready for it. We, the, in the, so what I really like about the pop-up shop is no one had ever heard about pop-up shops. It was incredibly hard to get a lease or anyone to consider it. Um, Where was it? Downtown. Downtown. It was on Broadway, 68 Broadway. It's an e-vape shop now, <laughs> or vape shop. That's not the one that you were just, you just moved out of, right? No. Okay, it's a um, different one. Yeah. So that was like three blocks south or four okay. blocks south of us. Um, and so we did that for the five weeks. That allowed us just to have enough, like, startup capital. Not really looking back, it all makes sense. 
looking forward, we're like, I don't know what we do now. I'm still on earth. Like, <laughs> I never wanted, I'm not a salesperson. Like, I shouldn't be a retail store owner kind of thing, but I see so much reason and mission and connection and creativity behind it. And I can do these events because we we're doing public workshops at that time too. So I just started playing around with looking at other shops and leases and learning how much it was. And it's really because I just had found a place that we didn't end up in that was only like $250 a month. And I was like, that exists. Like I could do that. Like we can make that work. Yeah, and in yeah. the end, we ended up being like, I think it started like 1500 a month, probably the place that we did just move from. And we were in for 10 years. So it was August of the following year that we opened permanently on Broadway. Okay. Um, and started the whole shop. And I was going to be per diem as a nurse and just found I was our only employee. So I found that it was like, I didn't have any time to go pick up hours as a nurse. So I just kind of let that go pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But that was part of your plan originally. You were like, I'm just going to open the shop and then I'll just kind of do like some nursing casually on the side. Exactly. I do get it, though. I mean, that's like my uh, personal journey with teaching. And everything yes. that. I was like, yeah, I have two employees and I'm teaching part time. This is completely normal. Like, why wouldn't you do this? Right. So, yeah. And with when I started Wham, I actually started two companies. I started Wham and then this other company where I was like, this is my legitimate work. And then Wham is my creative work. And I was like, what are you doing? Just combine the two. My accountant, when I got an accountant, he was like, what are you doing? Just combine the two. It's the same thing. And I was like, oh, I guess it is. Fine. <laughs> That's awesome. And it, I like, it's nice to know you have something to fall back on. You don't need that necessarily. Yeah. But it was like all on high commuters. Let's just risk this. You know, I could always go back to it if I needed to, but right. not easily, but enough, easy enough. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It was wild. So did you prepare it all for like owning your like the store? Like, did you do any research or anything like that? Or are you familiar with the beautiful mess? Or yes. the blog. Yeah. So I had been following them as a blog back then, you know, blogs, especially at that time. And other ones called um, the Freckled Nest, I think, was one of them. I think they're the ones that ended up doing our first website that we had until two years ago. But they offered like indie business courses for somebody like me who just wanted to pay, I don't even remember, like 50 bucks to learn how what marketing is, how important parking is, like what you're going to need to know about finances and that kind of thing when you're going to start to set up a business. And we decided, my brother and I and two friends did a big trip around the Midwest. And our end point was a beautiful Mets' shop called Red Velvet at the time. And so I looked up every single shop that was going to be handmade, vintage, had a coffee shop inside of it because <laughs> I still was really hanging on to the coffee shop idea because I freaking love coffee. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, I should do that too. Um, and so we met all these different business owners. We didn't set it up. We just showed up at places just to look around. And we knew not to be obnoxious <laughs> and suddenly like try to be like, can you tell me everything? But we'd be like, we'd buy something. We'd maybe like get ideas for displays, learn about that, learn how they do their window displays, how their signage is, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of them would ask us why we're there. And that gave me some of the best advice that I still live by this day was some of those people who took the time to be like, well, here, let me tell you what I've learned without us even asking for it. And it was probably the best education I could have gotten. We saw it in person. We saw how people do it all very differently. Like it's their vibe. Like everyone has such a different aesthetic, how they worked with makers. A lot of them shared their consignment terms with us and what was working, what they had. Anyways, it was the most valuable education I could have gotten was doing that road trip. And now we still do that. We go to Greece and we look up every handmade shop we can find. And Justin and I love it. Like it's not work (laughs) at all. It's like going to see inspiration, uh, finding new makers, finding how Le Rocket Ship in Paris had the little coffee bar right in their high-end design little storefront um and they actually turned us on to dirty dicks which was a tiki bar and then we got into tiki culture for a really long time <laughs> and rum society things <laughs> thanks to that and so all these cool things can come out of 
it's different like inspiration you find even outside of your business but it was mostly the online going back to your actual question online courses that i'd find and then doing that road trip and organizing it i had met with score as well or maybe it's just sba but somebody who was like i don't know i think it could work you should just try it <laughs> really yeah, it doesn't normally go like that. I feel like the whenever you involve the government officials or whatever like that, they're like, I don't like they're like, no. And you're like, well, I won't. then you're just like, I have a chip on my shoulder. I'm going to fucking prove you wrong. So, yeah, right. <laughs> that is the vibe 100 percent of my life. Yeah, it's like I'm going to prove it wrong. I'm going to prove to you that I don't have to charge more for camp and I can still do it. Right. I talked to the SBA when I first started WAM2 and they were just like, well, I mean, I, what do you I mean, what are you selling? And I was like. I don't know, man. Just it's cool sculptural goods. That's what I'm doing. And he's like, yeah, all right. Like we don't really have anything like, we offer so you, but like, you know, you should know this stuff about taxes. And I was like, okay, <laughs> thanks. Yes. Very exactly encouraging. Yes, exactly. Where you're like, uh, maybe I should still do it. I'm not sure. <laughs> that was the main way. So you said though that while you were going to these shops that they gave you some of the best information that you got. What like what are the top three things that you still like live or die by kind of like well the top one that i always think of is we were in des moines at selvage yard or something western selvage they're they've been on hgtv since then and stuff that guy randomly like took us aside and told us so many things and the best one was be event driven and i was like no shit <laughs> that's what i wanted to do along anyways this is the best news like if i'm doing a retail store and he said uh and his reasons were and they're so and this is what i tell other people too and they ask is just like when you're doing events, you give people a reason to talk about you. Like when you're just a gift shop or just a store, and even no matter how mission-minded you are, if you don't have something new to talk about um, that the news would want, which is a lot of event-based things, people aren't going to talk about it. And so that's such a good way to be true, like genuine, good marketing too, like <laughs> is by putting on these events that can be absolutely related to. It's not just outside of the shop. It's like all related to everything we're doing. So events. Other ones like really just shared how hard it can be to work with artists and makers. And so I felt like eyes wide open going into it after talking to them. <laughs> I mean, I think nothing's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Completely normal human beings. So responsible on time. <laughs> yeah. And I, I have never, like, I I love it. And so when I hear other people that say they're going to open a gift shop with, like, local makers, it's like, good luck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is what I love. Like, I love it. I love working with all different personalities and everything like that. But I know it's not easy if you're not going into it being aware of how different every vendor is going to be that you work with. And you're working with them directly. Like, yeah. it's not through, like, we use fair a little bit for some of our, like, dog treats and stuff like that. The third thing I think was just really experienced very genuine shops um, versus ones that were just like had the handmade on the side, not as the focal point. And so we knew, I think it might be just because of being involved with the music scene for quite a while. Like we really felt like the makers are the rock stars of our shop, which is where Rock the Red had kind of come from. Like, oh, yeah. Like we don't exist if our makers aren't a part of this. Like they need to be elevated at the events that we do, that they're involved in. They can't be a sideshow, like another part of this event that we're doing or part of the shop. So we originally had talked about like the coffee shop, maybe we'll sell vintage stuff because we knew our margin with consignment isn't great when you consider like what a normal shop with all of our normal costs has. So we thought we'd be doing vintage as well. But then we kind of started to let that idea simmer down a little bit. Like, no, we're not here to just go to estate sales with our shop. We are here to like connect you to a local maker and to creativity into your life. But yeah. No, I mean, I kind of like love that you took that. And I think what you said is so interesting is like about events, because mm -hmm. like, I feel like that is what I see about your business and what you've created more than anybody else's like this focus on events. Do you, 
how do you come up with the idea for your events? Because you are a more event-based business, and I think that has led to people knowing, even in the Twin Cities community, even though you're based out of Fargo, like people do know of Unglued and everything. So pretty much, like, how do you come up with your ideas, Ashley, for your events? <laughs> a lot of it, especially for the bigger ones, are we create what we want to exist in the world. Um, and we want to be a part of creating the city we want to be a part of. Um, and not just stand by and wait for someone else to do it because it might not happen. And so a lot of it is inspiration from either seeing what other people are doing, experiencing ourselves, and just taking those little bits and pieces from each one of those things, trying to um, stay exposed to it all. Like when we went to London, we found Crafty Fox markets um, that happened, and we went to one of their like maker talks, Crafty Maker Talks, something like that. And we they had talked about crowdsourcing at that, and so that was just like another layer of like exposing yourself to other things that could exist, both as a class or like a way what makers want, like to be as an event kind of. It actually inspired like our summer crafter series that we did by just traveling, being aware of what else is happening in the world, uh, taking time for that. And then just like be like, okay, we're doing our kids summer camp. That was kind of obvious. There's a lot of crafty kids that don't get connected to that really handmade, finer handmade, not like fine art, you know, but not just your vacation Bible school crafts, but like <laughs> really cool shit. Yeah. Um, doing that, we're like, I think adults actually need this more. And so... We wanted to attend a camp in LA that we, my brother and I knew that we'd probably never get to. And so that just kind of started to spark the idea seeing that camp in LA. It wasn't craft focused necessarily. Doing our kids camps and then realizing we could make an adult summer camp happen that is unglued vibes. Or like we're talking about doing a New Year's bash, like unglued presents New Year's Eve or something like that, <laughs> possibly. Um, and that's because last the last few years in Fargo were like, well, there's stuff happening, but it's not anything that we want to attend on New Year's Eve night. We want to like dance the night away real hard and maybe have a little area of reflection where we can use some kind of sweet ass craft to like shoot rockets off with shit we want to leave in 2023 and what we want to bring into 2024 or something like that, you know, but like with good food and that kind of thing. It doesn't exist. Like we were like, what can we make happen then through Unglued that still feels like Unglued? It isn't just a dance party, <laughs> uh, which does feel like unglued, but like is more, it involves all the other stuff. We mm -hmm. um, and then we try to just make it blow people's minds most of the time, I would say. So when we think of an event, especially the retreats and camps that we do, or if we're going to do, we've talked about doing, like we haven't done a slow craft one yet um, that we'd like to do in the wintertime that you pick a track that morning. You're going to do stone, you're going to do blacksmithing, you're going to do um, some fancy crochet thing that you don't really want to make in the summertime. But in January, you're like, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> it's like another thing that we know we see a need out of from our post surveys and that kind of stuff too, from events that we do, which we really take to heart. And so sometimes it's just the ideas of other people at Spark It. When I'm like, we want to get more traction on like the private parties we just announced this morning that we're doing. Like how could we make an event around that that gets people that experience that they'll want to like come into our craftatorium and make more stuff with their team building things for the holidays or trying to make it a little weird, a little fun, a little crafty, a little dancey and a little something you haven't experienced before. Right, slightly off the edge. I was thinking about this yeah. like New Year's Eve thing. It's like, I, I feel like people just go around and drink and wait around for mm -hmm. essentially the ball to drop. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you make that different? I like, I love that you're like, yeah, I want to like inject something into this so it doesn't just feel like we're just zombies being like, so when's the ball going to drop? Tired. We, uh, Christina, we were talking about like, should we do a New 
Christina's like, I still let me pause if we're going to do this. Yeah. And Christina's like, Sh- okay, so I can make a disco ball, but should it explode or smash on the crowd? Yes. And I was like, this is why we are a team. Yes, absolutely. Yes, that. A lot of it is like the three of us that kind of do a lot of our event planning. Are, it's It comes from something that we've seen or experienced or just dream out of nowhere. I like this idea of crafting the city that you're, that you want to be in. Mm-hmm. Something I feel like I've noticed from the outside being from Minneapolis is that I, I came up to Fargo to do one of your shows and I, I realized I was like, Unglued kind of makes this city cool. And like community, but the community that you've built around Unglued, they, they're not just in just your store. It's mm. like literally there are so many other people that are tied to you and through this community building that you've done that I'm like, this community is so unique in the, the fact that it's just knitted together. It's not unglued together. It's like, it's quite oh. literally glued together. There's a dad joke for you. <laughs> and uh, I was just, I, I think about that. It's like, do you feel like that process was natural community building for you? Or was that something you actively went about doing? I don't know if I've ever said the words community building related to myself. <laughs> so that is not natural, at least like as a goal. Um, but we, I mean, we talk about connecting people through craft. So it is that in just different words. Right. Like, but yes, it feels natural because I think a lot of the times when I think of an event, I think of would myself as a solo Ashley attend this. And so we try to make any of them feel incredibly genuine. You can come as an introvert. It doesn't feel networky. It doesn't have the word network in it because I kind of die a little bit when I'm trying to become a like a, I was gonna say a real human, but like like not intimidated by that word. I think I'm intimidated by it actually. But then I know other people are, and so I want to create events that you can show up and be yourself and not be connected to everybody else that's already at that event. Mm-hmm. Um, because you show up to so many things, and there's pockets of people that know each other already. So we try to make anything we do, and I think that is what aids in some of the aspect of that this is building up a community because we're trying to make sure there's and not in a weird way but like there's connection points happening that are really genuine and you have the opportunity to not feel like the awkward one out to really connect with somebody else and a lot of that is through making stuff together Mm -hmm. like you're sitting down a lot of times we just leave people with the instructions on a table and they have to work together even if they don't know each other to like really figure out how to make their daisy seed bracelet yeah. You can go off the crappy instructions I wrote, or you're going to ask the person next to you who's crushing it, how they did it too. And so I think it's a lot of through craft, like why we exist. Like it's through making things, it's less intimidating for people to show up to the type of event we do. And that's what we strive for. So I think it's something related to craft and making it really easy for someone who's on the outside to want to come mm-hmm. and enjoy it while they're there, which is where a lot of our ideas come from, or what people who come to solo tour events will say, like, this worked, or I felt like a loser from high school. <laughs> Which was just sitting in our uh, summer camp. And I was like, no. Oh. <laughs> yes, it's the only survey like this. But this is the kind of thing that I am going to take to heart and think about how we make that experience improved kind of thing. Right. Because there are so many p- old campers who, not old camp, past campers who knew each other and um, that kind of thing. Like, we're going to f- we're gonna fix this and find ways. That's got to be like, I mean, we similarly, like, it's actually funny, uh, got feedback like that. For our babes and brunch was just like that, you know, while I feel like everybody that's there, it's a similar vibe check. Like, I feel like yeah. they all could be friends. But like, I think that's such a Midwest thing is like people are so like, I don't know what it is about the Midwest. Like people just grow up in these cities and they're like, yeah, I like it here. I'm never going to leave this city. And so as for transplants, it's like yes. so hard to like get into inroads and groups and everything but my question for you is is like do you like you just said you take that so to heart at what point do you kind of start to say like do you ever say to yourself like maybe that was just that person's like individual experience like because i feel like that's got to be a lot of weight to take on of like i feel like 
knowing you, like you take everything so much, but that, like that's got to be an immense amount of weight and be like, maybe that was just like a person had a really like, they were putting off rough vibes and like, you know, if somebody is like sitting in the corner and has their arms folded and everything like that, like part of me sometimes is like, am I going to go say hi to you or like, I don't know. So I guess what I'm asking you is like, while you're like, I'm going to try to fix this. Hmm. Does that come at a cost to you sometimes of like trying to figure out like how to solve Everything. everybody's <laughs> issue? Well, I have improved a lot where I wait to get feedback for at least two weeks. Usually not like a hard, this is not like a hard and true thing, but like I'm like on this fucking high from camp and everything. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to look at the post surveys because I'm only going to remember how somebody didn't like the yeah. food or something like that. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, I can handle it. Give it to me, all of it. And so that is exactly what we talked about in our camp crew debrief was like, okay, this can absolutely be your perception or someone's perception. And we did literally everything we could to make you feel like you belonged, gave you opportunities to meet new people with like our morning mingle time for new campers and that kind of thing. Um, social bingo, all of that. Um, so it is very true that I, I have said, and that's from my nursing experience, where I never wanted to change something based on just one person's mm -hmm. feedback that wasn't great. Um, because I felt like in some of the departments I was in, it's like one thing went wrong, we're going to immediately change everything. And I was like, but that was just this one time and it has all these reasons for it. So I've taken that with me um, to Unglued, realizing that. But when it cuts to the core of our mission and like why we why we are trying, it just made us all have a really great conversation as a crew of ways we could improve that because we know, especially with camp, more and more people are going to get to know each other better and better that are returning to camp. And so in the future, how would we try to make this happen? And we thought we should just have like an all crew text message that we can easily say my cabin, like we have cabin hosts, like mm -hmm. this person just seems a little out of sorts if somebody just wants to make sure someone's sitting with her at dinner or that kind of thing. But also releasing the pressure to make it all perfect. And so knowing that somebody probably just showed up in a shitty situation already <laughs> right. in life or something like that, and that'll affect their experience and we can do what we can. But um, I think not over identifying with separating the business, the, like what's happening still for me. It's like the war of art yeah. Right. where it's like you put out everything you can as your art, like, and you have to just sometimes accept or you pretty much always have to like what you can't control people's perception. So it's some of that release too. <laughs> right. Where I don't feel super guilty, but I'm like, you just said words that I never really want to hear. Uh -huh. But now I'm going to just troubleshoot that and do what I can next time <laughs> without like beating it too hard. Yeah. Because like, you, you know, you could fix that one person's problem, but then you might ruin everybody else's experience. Yes, exactly. That is so true. <laughs> I mean, I think that's like, I think what you do is really important is a not looking at the feedback for two weeks. I think it was something like that. Extremely important. I've always kind of said like, in business, if somebody sends me an email and I have a very strong reaction to it, I actually don't respond to it for 24 hours. Like I just literally like snooze it for 24 hours because that means that I obviously need to process it and my immediate reaction is probably not the greatest. But I think it's also like looking for patterns like mm. one person's experience is not going to be equal. Like you need to have like there needs to be confirmation. Is this like actually like something that multiple people are experiencing or is it just like, yes, one person that always rates restaurants at one star, no matter how hard you try, like, right. you know, like that's just their thing. So, yes, absolutely. I think that is so true. And that's what people try to remind me. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. But like, <laughs> this is cutting to the core of it. Let's just talk about it. And so our crew, our cam crew is so good. They're all, a lot of them are actual community builders mm -hmm. like under that title or have come from strong backgrounds of like event planning or that kind of thing. They just love being a part of the back end. And so they have, they, I love talking it out with people to come to kind of that conclusion, like, okay, we're not going to fix it all, but we are going to 
we could see how this could continue to be a problem in the future as people get to know each other better and just talking through that. Having that sounding board of a group is big that are kind of feel that same weight almost of the people's experiences as you do. Right. And you fostered quite the crew. As I've gotten yeah, to know them. Good crew. Yeah. As I've gotten to know them, I'm just like, I just fall in love with all of them. Yeah. They're great. So we just have like our two full-time employees, uh-huh. not just, but they're like totally kick-ass, my sister-in-law and Michaela. And then we have like four to five part-time to super part-time people. They mm-hmm. might only work four hours a month <laughs> to four hours a week or a little bit more than that too. And then our event crew are just people who've been to events, friends we have, family sometimes, like siblings. Your parents. My parents <laughs> come and blow up a bunch of inflatables ahead of camp. It's wonderful. And they have the the treat cart. Yes. And they have the treat cart at the fest. Oh, man. Every year. Yeah. <laughs> and my mom makes bars. It's great. So it's people who can like, they're doing all their normal jobs too. And then they just love making these event things happen with us, whether it's a fest or camp crew. See, now that takes, that takes a certain kind of dedication. Like people who are willing to work with you and work within this thing. It's like, mm-hmm. It's such a cool thing that people want to be part of it. That's why they're willing to be super part-time or they're willing to like even volunteer some of their time to do it. Yeah, it's wild. And a lot of, yeah, it's people who are already doing that kind of thing in their life or they, we just met them through camp and they're like, I want to be part of camp. I was like, do you want to be exhausted and have the best time of your life at the same time? (laughs) Get maybe two hours of sleep a night for two nights. And if they say yes, I'm like, cool, let's talk about it. Welcome to the crew. Yeah. (laughs) Now, because it is like, I mean, you're kind of technically running a family owned business sure. and like in a weird sense because you and Justin are so like connected to through doing this. And then like you said, like Christina, your sister-in-law, does it ever get complicated in like this aspect of like as a person that came from a family owned business? Like, you know, do you ever feel like the lines get blurry between like family and business? To some degree. Justin is not like part owner right. kind of thing, but he is heavily involved in like our displays creating camp, all of that. It's, I think what it's between him and I, it's so good because we're creatively pushed all the time towards something that we insanely believe in, like the camp experience. Like we want it to be, to blow your mind as much as we can and be something that you take with you, but you know, maybe your entire life (laughs) or at least as a core memory of your summer 2023, you know? And so I think it's just been, in that sense, it's been great. We disagree a lot about things. You bring in Christina, his sister, (laughs) who owns the candy shop in our shop and just started as a full-time employee uh, this past summer, directs our kids' camp, does a lot of the food and drink buying and planning for the bigger events that we do, um, and works at the shop too. With Justin, the three of us plan the battle a lot and the variety show and stuff at camp, and (laughs) we... Her and I drive Justin crazy because we red light a lot of things immediately. He's like, can't we just green light some stuff? Like, I thought that's like a good meeting, you know? We're like, but why would we do that? We could just tell you all the reasons it doesn't work right away. And so I feel like that has actually been really good because the three of us can just say the stuff like... Yeah, family stuff. Yeah, very easily. And I think we're all just really similar and different in ways that works well that we can tell Justin it's a terrible idea. They might have to be a little bit more gentler with me because I came from a no conflict type of situation in my life. <laughs> they, you know, they like to go at it. They've been wrestling since they were been- wee kids. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think that's like such an interesting point though about like family owned businesses is like you get to just go hot straight to radical candor. Like I care deeply yes, about you. I'm also going to, I'm just literally going to like tell you some shit that like totally pissed me off and then we can work through it instead of being like, 
oh no, what if I hurt their feelings? You know, you know they love you because they're family. Yes. So you're like, fine. And I think why it works is because it's like under unglued. So I still be the final say in stuff, but I don't like to be. I like to come to that conclusion together. Same with like our crew meetings, that kind of thing too. That is not, I don't know how I would do with an actual business partner. <laughs> I'll just put that as like, it's probably wouldn't work out very well. I could just make a decision and run with it if I really feel it. But people still see my blind spots and definitely tell me about it. Has it ever gotten in the way for you though? Like trying to let other people come to the conclusions mm. first, not instead of just driving the ship? Yes. That's probably why I went on Lexapro. <laughs> just <laughs> recently in May. <laughs> was I... Uh, starting to realize I should say how much I take other people's feelings into account and this is where I ended up kind of with the coaching situation I think it was culmination of like the whole move getting delayed I have no control over it we're just another vendor in this thing that other people are in charge of you know I didn't know the all the details my crew was riding on it when they got to go full-time all this stuff at the same time we're coming up with all these ideas or somebody was just really annoyed with the process which was all just related to moving and having to wait longer and i really took that to heart <laughs> like just hearing people's feelings about things yeah. and i was like but i can't do it anymore like and it wasn't to me it wasn't just that but later on i kind of boiled it down to i think it's this is actually what's weighing on me more than anything. And I remember I messaged, I think you, Larissa, and I was like, do you go to therapy or coach or like, what do you do? And I had asked you that last year too. And I was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> but I didn't pursue it at all. Yeah. And then you said that. And then like two weeks later, I asked you, Andrew, at the market, like, I forget how it even came up, but it wasn't just- You just walked up to me. You were like- <laughs> Do you have hey, just something you talk about I was like, yes, let's talk about it right now. I just started doing it. It was so good. And that was, I think, like two or three weeks later, I messaged the coach that you mutually had at some point. And I was like, I think I need to, I think I need something like this because I cannot keep being the way I am and worried about people's just feelings a part of this and not be able to move on with the decision that I make um, that I know is for like the whole reason we exist as a business and those things, whether they're small or big. I was feeling a little bit too much the weight of that. And at the same time, I had been doing a gratitude journal. I've been working out. I've been eating better, avoiding alcohol more, doing all these things that it was not fixing my craziness. And so yeah. I finally also asked my doctor if I should go on an anxiety medication. And she said, absolutely. <laughs> You're doing all the other things already. I would tell absolutely. You. And also you should meditate. I was like, cool, I'm willing. And I'm not totally crazy. I'm not irritable. I was very irritable. We don't need to dive into all that, but we could. Have you actually started meditating? I only say that because when people say to me, like, you should meditate is literally, I am like, I don't think you understand how my brain works. It's literally like you say meditate and then all of a sudden, like, just little marbles in my head are going back and forth. Like, do, 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 See, do, people do. talk about that. It's like a, a big anxiety around meditation is that people think that you're supposed to just, like, clear your brain. Mm. But you're actually supposed to, like, acknowledge those thoughts when they come in and, like, let them come in and out. And just acknowledge that they're there but not do anything with them. And that's the... Yeah. That was something I haven't meditated in a while, but I did meditation for probably six months strong. And that was the thing that really got me over that hump of feeling like I was going to be a bad meditator. Because mm -hmm. like Larissa said, marbles everywhere. It's like you start meditating, you're like, I'm just going to clear my mind. And you're like, do you hear that little bird? I wonder if that bird has a family. And like, I bet, you know, it's like, <laughs> what? what are you doing? Like, supposed to be clearing your mind. And then you get mad at yourself for not clearing your mind. Yes. Right. Yes. But I think that that's the biggest lore or like the biggest thing behind meditation that nobody talks about is like, it's not about clearing your mind. It's about being present mm -hmm. and identifying those thoughts as they're going through your brain. Yep. And for me, that was kind of what, because we ended up doing coaching. We both all, all, we've all done coaching and that was really what coaching is, does is it pushes you into like similar meditation, like think more, mm. be more intentional, like see, like sit with that feeling. 
You know, no one's here to, no one's going to be here to save you. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I had done a little bit of meditation thanks to talking about it in coaching as well. I was like, okay, this is being told me so many times. I I think they were talking, some, anyways, I was taking it from someone else getting coached in the groups. Yeah. And I kind of find it's best for me the few times I've done it and felt good uh, was after like a workout just laying down in the position with your hands up you're you're just relaxed and it was kind of like after a workout it's worked best and maybe that's why it's because I just got my brain off of so many things because I was focused on the workout that it was a lot easier to just sit there and I would hear noises or be interrupted in some way and just like for a few minutes just let it all go and it was good I have not done it consistently my brother does I really admire his self-discipline for a lot of these things he does too but I think it's okay, though, to kind of like create the environment of it's very much like, like in that atomic habits, because it's interesting mm. if we're talking about like lying down or like, yes, my legs are crossed and my hands are on my palms. Like I can't do that. But like a sauna. Holy Ooh. cow. Yes, man. You can only think about breathing in that thing. And like I find that quite uh, impactful. I yeah. have to say yeah. a road trip. Same. Like I have to clear my head driving here. Beautiful. I'm driving back. I just I can't look at a phone. I can't like yeah. listen to music and my brain will wander and. It's it's almost meditative to drive. I think. It's watching the lines coming towards you. Yeah. Yep. So, what's the biggest difference between pre-coaching Ashley and now currently being coached Ashley? Ooh, that is good. <laughs> that is uh, why I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, God. Okay. A few things. I would say that probably the number one is realizing that your weakness is your superpower. Can be your superpower. Can. If you recognize it and how it is that way. Um, And then the other thing is it's taught me to think about what I want instead of what I don't want. And so I was getting to a point at Unglued. We've been a shop for 11 years now, doing the fest a couple years before that. Um, And I started to be like, okay, we have the shop. Brujala, the new place we moved into, incredible. Love it. There's a lot of opportunity through that that we still are easily going to do and grow within. But I don't want to manage more people. I don't want to be responsible for more money. I don't want to make my life crazier than it is. I love the craziness that exists in it already. How could I do more? A few years now um, have been focused on what I don't want. Well, yeah, no, I'm not going to do a country club because I don't want to manage a restaurant and a bar <laughs> and a mini golf course and a lazy river, you know, like, oh, the, the people I would have to run it. Like, yeah. I love people, but like, I don't want to be the boss of a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> and so the moment I sat with the coach the first time, it was like, so what do you want? <laughs> uh, if I called you in three years and you were living the life, like without any, I forget how it was worded, like without, with, without any excuses, without any reason, like these things couldn't exist, what would you say? And I like easily rattle up. I'd be running a country club. I'd be traveling a lot more. I'd be like, there are things, but like, I don't want to do that because of all these reasons. And he's like, well, what if it, what if you found those reasons invigorating? What if you found it invigorating to like be at the bottom of a mountain again, going up it to like start something new again? What if you found it invigorating to like, what if that could be true? And what would need to happen for those things to be true? And so now it's, I think, just realizing that I, I thought I was thinking about what I wanted out of life and business and running a very mission-driven type of thing, but I'm realizing I haven't your moon poster. It just makes me think about you guys were saying moonshot when you talked about your book recommendations. Like I lost a moonshot and I did think that was a problem because like I like what I'm doing, but I'm just starting to read the 10x this book. easier than 2x? Yes. Yeah. Like as of Sunday night. Um, so I'm like, was like, I should finish this tonight. I was like, no, no. 
let's think about this as we do it. I was like, having that impossible dream is what coaching is teaching me, is you need that for so many reasons, not just to get to that dream. You might not, but it's it's going to open up all these opportunities. It's going to open up you as a person to want to grow. Um, and so I feel like I was becoming stagnant and content, which another book I love is there's nothing more that says there's nothing more um, dangerous in life, life than comfort. And I think I was getting to that point where I was like, anyway, comfortable. not excited about yeah. what I was doing, but comfortable. Yeah. It's I almost like complacency in a weird way. Yes. Like I didn't think of it that way because I was like, I really love what I'm doing. Um, I don't think I can add more. Right. And like all you had left were just identifying things you didn't want. Yes, exactly. It was weird to realize that. And that is what I think coaching has been like having somebody interpret your thoughts for you kind of like I hear you saying this and I'm like, no shit. Huh. Or you're right. There is no evidence that I've been so reckless in my past that I ruined everything. I stopped our Sioux Falls store. Right. Before it would have destroyed everything, you know, financially, which I always thought I was reckless of doing that store. But it was more of like an example of how that led to these other good things. And, you know, I don't know. It's totally it's like so the big. Yeah. Coaching, man. If anyone can do it. Would recommend. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that's like I think it's so interesting is that aspect of like, I mean, entrepreneurship in general is like it all starts with an idea mm. and then you keep building this thing and then you're pretty much get to this point of like what is probably not a natural part for a lot of entrepreneurs is like how do I systemize systematize this and make it predictable and everything and then it is it's almost like you kill the joy out of it you know and I do think it takes that little bit of that radical shuffle in your brain of it to be like what the fuck do I need to get off of me to create the thing that I love doing. It was really great like when like one of our previous guests they talked about it it was like it was very similar to like when we started doing the podcast like it was kind of like there's this like honeymoon phase of like rebuilding and everything like that where it's all new and exciting and you're just like really excited about it but then you're like right we need to like you do need to systematize things you do need to have like SOPs but mm-hmm. boy are you killing me when you say those words technically right. you know and so it is it's like but for some people that like I think that's where I realized like to me, it is literally like killing my soul. But to some people, it lights them the fuck up mm-hmm. like nothing else. Like if you say spreadsheets to me, I'm like, serve them to me, but do <laughs> not ask me. I've just started saying in like meetings, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be the person that's making that though. Like, yeah, yes. make yeah. me. A, yeah. And I think that's the thing I identified too is like, I love spreadsheets, but I also don't love making the spreadsheets. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to know the data, but I, from 11 years of experience, no, I'm not taking the time for that <laughs> to right. make it happen, you know, but I'll look at it. So now that you're kind of aware of these things, mm-hmm. what are you, what do you feel like you are kind of like, I'm tolerating this, but I hope mm-hmm. to then kind of build this? Sure. I love delegating to people. It's not that I need to hold on to certain things, but there's just so many things that <laughs> some of it is learning, like, even if I do enjoy it, I should give it to somebody else to do. Mm. Um, and so, which is a weird thought, but I also love, I love working. I truly <laughs> love it. I love doing our maker reports because it's kind of my comfort zone because I know how to do it. And I like balancing things that are like crazy thinking, visioning for the future with, I'm going to just sit and do these reports that I know how to do. But kind of realizing that's actually something I need to offload um, to somebody who actually loves numbers, which does exist in our crew. And it's wonderful. And so some of it is delegating things that I even have thought I enjoyed doing to be able to be more of like, he said yesterday, a creative visionary when I was in my coaching call. And I was like, you know, (laughs) 
I guess I've thought of myself like that, but I'm not acting like that. Like when I think mm -hmm. of somebody who is that way, I'm not sitting to reflect on stuff. I'm not really spending the time after a big event besides a few things we do already, like a post survey and whatever else. So some of that is giving up tasks that I've actually liked, but are not like a passion. I've always thought there's other things I should delegate, but I now know like a lot of our crew really thrives in project managing or organization or crunching numbers or building a window display and finding the people kind of like the jack of all trades yeah. uh, or, or the Swiss army knife. We now call it that. And it's actually because of what you said on a phone call with you last year. <laughs> you're welcome. That like, we don't have a specific role for somebody yet. That's just, you're going to be our social media manager. Yeah. No one's that right now or probably ever will be. We'll see. It could be that way. Um, but can you do all these things that I also know you're really good at and you enjoy? Um, and I actually need someone to do. So I would say I'm tolerating myself less for giving excuses of why I should be the one to do it. And identifying that you like the result, but not necessarily the mm. task of doing it. I think that is exactly it. Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. I would love to dive into our SEO. Never looked at it. <laughs> I don't look at our like financials more than twice a year, like the profit and loss sheets and other things that our accountant does for us. And things that I, I think I could be giving someone else to do to talk through with me or to be kind of that back-end support that keeps me also accountable to doing it too. Those are the biggest things at this very moment. And then putting myself out there again to learn about things I don't know that would get me to the next thing. I think one of the biggest things um, that was said early on in coaching was that the thing that got me here, <laughs> very handsy, uh, the thing that got me here is not what's going to get me to the next thing. And I've been saying for the longest time, you need to reconcile what you are willing to risk with what you do. Like you need to reconcile your, your risk tolerance with the decisions that you're making. And that now is limiting to me because I didn't want to risk more crew <laughs> to right. take on this mission and crazy idea. Um, and I need to move forward from that. And so it opens so many thought processes. It's overwhelming <laughs> of like see, or seeing things different ways that I just thought would have been obvious at some point in my life through all this. And it wasn't until I started sitting down to really reflect on it. I think it's just, it's like, it's giving you that alternative thought process that you're like, oh, wow, like this actually, it like serves you more. It just like, also you use words like this serves me and this, like if you had asked me two years ago, like, mm. yo, is this serving you? I'd have been like, why are you talking like that? <laughs> what? Yes. yes. I mean, I will say like there is pre and post coaching Larissa where pre coaching Larissa would not use terms like going up to people and be like, so how's that serving you? Yes. But I don't know why it fucking works though so yeah i think it works it works because it's a mental framework and i think that's really what coaching did for me at least is helped me create some mental frameworks because we do it all the time but but identifying them and having a vocabulary to help work yourself through some of the challenges you're going through because it is a first time all the stuff we mm -hmm. end up doing like i feel like when you look back at your business 11 years ago and you imagined at some point maybe on year five like you'd like to get to this point that you got to with Bruhalla where you're like at this big like the successful shop and it's like pretty easy to get it you know mm -hmm. to be going that was the goal at the time and then you got there you could feel like you summited and you're like i'm at the top of the hill there's no more hill left at least yes. you think there's no more but like the clouds part and you realize at through coaching that there's actually much more mountain to go yes. basically totally which at the wrong moment in time feels exhausting yes <laughs> Like, oh, then you get to like really dive into why it feels exhausting <laughs> and find a lot of like areas yeah. that are affecting you in that way too, which I have very much appreciated. Yeah, it's a wild ride though. Holy crap. It is. So now I'm curious though, like what is like in three years, where are, is this, a, what are we going to do? Is this a country club thing? Like, I don't know. I'm not trying to like, yeah. Like what uh, do you want to build? What do you want to create? 
Yeah. So I am going to pursue an uncountry club. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's kind of like a mashup of Betty Dangers, which I appreciate yeah. so much, and Psycho Susie's vibe that like things are just weird, irreverent. Like I used to cry when I would <laughs> say what's on their coasters that it's for the other 99%. And I'd be like, oh, that's my life. That's what I want my life to be for. (laughs) Uh, It's not fancy people. It is for everybody else. And so it's something within that. Um, I would love to create a daily or seasonal place for people to experience what they experience at our summer camp to some degree. Mm. (laughs) Um, Currently, I never thought until I did coaching that I would ever pursue a country club, but I'm going to learn about it. And it just so happens that in like a couple of weeks, there's a prairie summit capital where there's a ton of private investors going a state banking like you just get to learn about it there's this a lot of that world of these moonshot ideas is like it's worlds that i don't understand or know Mm -hmm. and it's kind of going back to when i did that midwest road trip to find all the shops and expose myself to all this this world that i didn't understand before i couldn't picture i couldn't dream finding ways to do that whether it's through what does it actually look like to do investments uh, or have that or what does it look like to actually finance it all on my own somehow i don't know um and then probably experiencing other things that could be a mashup of what we want to create Mm -hmm. which gets to mean some travel or road trips hopefully and i really am confident that even if we are shooting for that and it's not what we land on that we're going to find the next thing through that which is how all of Unglued, when you look back, is how it happened. We just got asked to do Ruhala. And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want mall hours. I don't want someone to tell me what to do. That's why I didn't like partly went into small business as a mission is that I didn't want a board of directors as, as a nonprofit telling me, yeah. directing me what to do, you know, that whole thing. And so it's just, I think it's just seeing what happens as I start to look into that. I mean, I think that's like so much of like the processes like it's just the doing mm. and then it's like you the learning and the doing and the knowledge through the process and then yeah end up on the other side and 90 percent of the time it looks like it's a little bit different than like what it was More in the beginning like <laughs> but it's now ha- having that experience of like this is how it's worked out like we actually just kept taking opportunities as they came or made them happen <laughs> it led us to places we never would have dreamt up and it's amazing like i wouldn't have it any other way um so I think that's where this will lead us. I don't know exactly what, but I'm getting really jacked about it. So <laughs> it'll be sweet. Would you ever build anything outside of the Fargo area again? Thank and you for no, saying it. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I actually did previously had a store called Unglued that was in, or not previously, you still have a store that's called Unglued, but you had a second Unglued. It was like, it was Unglued. Was it Unglued? Unglued Falls. Yeah, Unglued Sioux Falls. Yep. For some reason I was like, is there? Unglued I was like, no, too, there's not. Me. Yeah. I like you too. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think I would unless if it was something else. I wouldn't. I'm not interested. Like retail is not my passion. The whole reason we do the store is like a placemaking kind of thing for people to belong and connect. We can't take your items. We can tell you where else to pursue it. Like we can at least be that connection point. Mm-hmm. I really think our, our lesson from Sioux Falls not working out, it was super financially related that it didn't work out, um, was that this is not meant to be an owner operated or this is meant to be an owner operated thing and not managed by a others, at least initially, to get it off the ground. I am happy to tell everyone about our experiences and help them start something else in Bismarck. <laughs> We've met with people in Grand Forks, in Minneapolis, like, and I've been like, I will tell you everything you want to know. Here's my consignment terms, how we do it. Here's what to know. But I'm not going to build that for you as, a, as another shop location. We have talked about doing events other places, um, but I think we really are passionate about North Dakota and Minnesota area that more needs to exist here, not in places that's cool stuff like 
we want to see happen already exists. Like, I'm not here to add more of that. I want to add something that doesn't exist already and make it happen through what we know we can do and beyond what we know we can do. Within the community that you're in, you're like, again, you are building that city that you want to live in. Yes, totally. I will help you create your city you want to live in, but I am not going to do it (laughs) because I know that we thrive most when it's at least at the moment. I shouldn't speak. I'm so all about the future being anything. Um, we're just we we want the Midwest to grow in creativity and opportunities for creatives and opportunities for adults to get creative again. I have two questions for you that I'm super curious to ask. What is the craziest thing that's ever happened at camp, and what's the worst thing that's ever happened at camp? <laughs> you can combine the two if you want as well. So yeah, many. You can give us a highlight reel too, but I feel like sure. as a person that's experienced it multiple times, I feel like there is so much of like, I've only seen the tip of the iceberg and I'm like, what is the other 90% at the bottom? Like, I'm going to you know. start with the worst thing. Yeah, please uh, start with the worst thing. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, okay, so uh, we basically, uh, okay, how should I? We thought we lost somebody uh, and that is my worst <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> uh, um, and it's my bald i could have known i go really hard during our dance nights as well i dance really hard i stay up super late i've played music on a guitar that i don't remember playing later like mr bright said i'm like i don't know those chords but uh, no one else didn't know you did then (laughs) and we woke up that morning and i got a message that i don't know where this camper is her stuff's in her bunk she's not here no one has seen her i was like oh my god in the end, she had texted me to tell me that she had to leave for a family emergency in the middle of the night. And so, like, she'll come and get her stuff. They'll figure it out kind of thing. But for a good hour and a half, we were looking for her. And so that was one of the best lessons that could have happened for me at camp because now we have a camp concierge number that goes to three people. If something's wrong, you'll text us one number. It'll go to three of us, not just me. <laughs> I now don't sleep most of the time at camp. I'm the first one usually, to, not exactly the first one to get, but I'm up before most campers are. And I go to bed after everybody goes to bed. So I'm usually only getting one or two hours of sleep. And that is for because of that situation. I want to be 100% sure everyone's cool. Because <laughs> people do really like live it out at camp. Um, we do control like alcohol as best as we possibly can. We don't overserve. It's really just if you're doing it on your own kind of thing um, that we're going to worry about you. Um, we stop the bar at 11. We have a lot of parameters around this, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a lake there. Anyway, it's not going too deep into that one. That was one of the worst moments, though. <laughs> yeah. And I carry that with me forever and ever that I am in charge. I will probably not imbibe too hard. <laughs> I will do fun at other places. Um, but I'm happy to have that role. I have taken that on as my shit sandwich for camp. And then the best things was this last time. Okay, two things. Oh, God. There, so this last camp, I was walking at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. And I... I thought I was one of the last ones up and I saw that a bunch of campers were just laying on this little hill staring up at the totally dark like no city lights yeah. right like totally starry night sky I like lay down next to them and everyone was just seeing shooting stars together <laughs> and it was like freaking out like it was a Friday night camp everyone's just doesn't really know people don't know each other super yeah. well and this was just this I think it was the first or I can't remember if it was the first or second weekend in camp this past year and it was the most magical moment and artist Seth who is um, an artist that you should know um, from West Virginia has a thing that says I will cry <laughs> that we were just like two strangers in the night and we both saw a shooting star and we knew that everything was 
that the everything that the gods made were for all of us or something like that. And I was like, that was this camp moment. Like, oh, so good. And then um, at the end of our dance nights, as of two years ago, we light fireworks off during LCD Sound Systems Dance Yourself Clean song. And you go out from the dance tent. And it happened one year because I just started lighting fireworks off like in the fields and stuff. At one random point, I was like, so now I bring the fireworks to the dance just in case it should. But now it's like a thing we do. We start handing Roman candles and like uh, to- toasties, they're called, to people. And we have these giant sparklers and everyone's just going out to this giant field. And usually there are stars everywhere. And you're just seeing the night sky light up as you're dancing. And it's like so good. I really love it. <laughs> it's magical. I have to say. I haven't been to camp yet. And I've always wanted to go to camp. Yes. Yes. You've done the retreats. I've done the retreats. You have the one day retreats that we do too. But yeah. camp is like. Camp yeah. is camp. Mm-hmm. It is. It's got unglued vibes because you're like cra- crafting and making things all the time. But then there's these very like solid camp camp moments too. You're going to sleep on a shitty bunk bed, but you might also fall asleep on a hill watching shooting stars with total strangers. Yeah. I understand why you can't do it anymore, but the human hungry hippo is still kind of being my Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. So yes. You can't yes. do it anymore? You can't do the hungry hippo? They have it. I'm sure uh, we do change things every year, which oh, is part of the wow. creative challenge of camp. Oh, well, if it can come back, then I um, <laughs> uh, I am lobbying for it to come back because that was just Such insanity. A <laughs> Such a good idea. So fun. <laughs> yeah. People laying on their skateboards. Yeah. Everyone says. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it sounds like fun. I think I've seen it. Yeah, so everybody has a hamper basket, and so it's like you have a person behind you, and they have your legs, and you're laying on a skateboard, and then you're just trying to grab balls in the middle, and then they pull you back, and then you're just constantly trying to grab more balls, and so it's human-sized hungry hippo. It's like, one, two, three, go, and everyone just smashes into the center without a helmet on or anything, and that's why I thought it was stopped, but now that I can hear that, I can lobby for it with maybe a couple yeah, others. Oh, yeah, yeah. Others that, yes, I am. Justin will never let Tug of War happen. <laughs> like, we've read so many reasons that people oh, really get really hurt during Tug of War, but I do think that's such a classic game. Like, can't we figure out a different way to do it that's still Tug of War? I mean, don't people sign a waiver? They do. <laughs> they do. We do have a good waiver, and we're like, everyone's a grown-ass adult. They can make their own decisions, yeah. and we very make it very clear you don't have to participate in anything you don't want to. Wait, tug of war is super dangerous. I guess maybe no. I should look into this before I just I think, leave it. I no. think you should do tug of war. People sign a waiver, and then yes. also everybody that's listening. You in a car every day that is extremely dangerous. So you know what? You go get your rope, Ashley, and you enjoy yourself. Thank so you. yes, I don't know. We could involve. I don't know. There's probably a different way to do tug of war that'd be crafty and weird, but still be tug of warish, and not quite that I'm going to collapse my giant body on top of you type of thing in a. I don't know what I don't know why honestly now that I'm saying that's all that's actually dangerous. Yeah. Besides like slightly obvious things, but not like really dangerous. I don't know why, but I am like thinking of like it was a gym that I used to be a part of the community. They just pulled an airplane and I was like, that's kind of fun. I was like ah. so maybe I don't know how you're gonna get an airplane up there, but yeah. If anybody can figure it out, it's you. So yeah. Be crazy filming. <laughs> so is there anything on the road basically? Since you've done had this business, is there anything that like you're surprised that you had the opportunity to do? Like I saw like you did a TED talk, like that yeah. was one, and I was like, oh, that w- that would be a surprising thing to happen. Yes, was that one of them? Yes, I had been asked to like MC and other stuff, and I am not good on the spot with words. Like I will love the experience. I will take so much away from it, but I don't say words very well on the fly. So it's like, not that. They're like, you'll have a speaker coach and like all this, whatever. So yes, that was a horrible experience in my life. 
Because I spent like six months being a terrible person, being so anxious about it. Probably could have been on Lexapro then and things would have been just fine. But I wasn't. It was 2019 pre-Lexapro. And the coach that I had was great. The speaking coach kind of thing. But told me to like, anyways, I could dive into this. Let's not tell these stories. No, go ahead. Um, told me to talk with crazy confidence. Uh-huh. And so like we tore parts out that would have been like less confident sounding about what I was talking about, like how like you are going to DIY or die, like do it yourself or die. And these are like the medical reasons you should <laughs> craft. Uh-huh. These are your curiosity reasons you should craft and have it in your life, all this. Um, but TEDx, I've never promoted the talk besides like once you're like, remember this one time I did this thing and here's this really funny photo of me like crumpling in the background. The MC's like asking me if it was as bad as it was in front of everybody. And I'm like, yeah, it's like so bad. Yeah. Um, but TEDx or Ted put a warning on it that the speaker talks with too much confidence and like, um, don't take this advice as medical advice. And I was like, well, no shit. But like, I get that it's a TED talk. I shouldn't have talked with that much confidence about how it's proven to improve your life kind of thing. Anyways, later on, I was like, I really wanted this to be something I was really, really proud of. And I'm proud of the experience that I did it, but I'm kind of like embarrassed by this, like how it ended up. Um, so I'm surprised by that happening and how I reacted to it, I guess you could say. Um, but I've learned a lot from that. Um, I am surprised that I get to play the guitar at camp, which is what I did in high school, and play sing-along songs with Justin. I'm surprised that I choreographed dance routines that I also used to do in high school with my friends and yeah. brought that back to every opening orientation time for camp. Um, it's like little things like that that are experiences and skills that I have had throughout my life that I just never would have thought would have come back and not like been rebranded isn't the right word, but like, it's crazy when you think about if you just keep letting yourself have experiences <laughs> and like building up these little, not and they're not side hustles, these little side things you love, like things you like in life, how they'll, <laughs> they have come back in my life in ways that I didn't expect in that sense either. I was thinking about that with, um camp this past year like all these little things have actually worked well at camp that i never thought i'd be choreographing a tiktok routine teaching it to our bartend like guys bartending and our and and our friend who's like um leads something at msum and like yeah anyways we're all coming together for this there's more of that right it's like you're surprised that like things you like this little thing you did in 1995 is like now so relevant yes relevant that's the word yeah exactly it's crazy, which is really why I think taking time for the hobbies, even as a small business owner and things like that are just so important. And I'm not a great example of that all the time, but or most of the time, I should say. But it just exposes you to this new thing that probably is going to affect you in a couple of years. It'll just help you think more creatively or curiously or with a sense of awe, <laughs> of awe and wonder, I think, too, which comes back a lot of times for other reasons. That's not why you do it. No. Where do you get your inspiration now? Um, I would say it is a lot of, I, we don't travel a lot right now, but it is through traveling, whether it's just to Grand Force to go to Birdie's restaurant, mm-hmm. you know, that Mollier does up there, um, or coming to Minneapolis or just keeping my eyes open. So like currently just cause Psycho Susie's closed, um, I go back, like I deep dove into her story a little bit and like all these very artistic reasons that she started the things that she did and some of the results of that and like that kind of thing inspires me and learning that um and finding people whether they're local or not local at all and kind of diving into like i um there's a rapper action bronson that a friend of ours talked about a lot 
I just randomly was recommended a podcast somehow of him on there and just listening to that not that long ago, I was like, ah, that's so inspiring. Um, not taking things so seriously. Yeah. <laughs> that you're growing or that you're passionate about or not over-identifying yourself as that one thing so that if it leaves your life, you're like, but I thought I was include, like, just really oh, being open to it. You're so much more than this one thing that you think you are. It's inspiration through all, all of it. Yeah, I heard yeah. somebody recently talk about how we we define ourselves so much as like we're a jeweler or a mm-hmm. woodworker, and like really we should be identifying these things about us as like we're we're like we're like a kind person or mm. like we're creative, and it's mm-hmm. not like we're not just these things that we've labeled ourselves. Yeah, a lot of times like the things that drive us, I think, um, in our interests, but they don't have to just be your career. <laughs> like you're fun and spontaneous. Like that's yeah. like how I describe you. I, th- I think of Fight Club where he's like, something like, it's a really popular quote, like, you're not your fucking, you're not your fucking job. Yeah, you're easy. Fucking, uh, yeah, what was it? Khaki pants. Yeah, your khaki, khaki pants. pants. Your Ugh. Starbucks latte or something yeah, like Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, you're the all something. The all-knowing yeah. version of yourself or something. Yes. That is what we want people to experience in their eye camp, too. It's like, you're so much more than this thing you think you are. You can be creative, but maybe not in the traditional sense that you feel so much pressure to be. You don't have to make this thing a career and murder your creativity by making it pay your, pay your bills and all that. That's from Big Magic, and I love it so much. <sighs> Big Magic. Really good book. <laughs> all right. Um, we're going to be ending today's episode, but I just had a really great idea. So I'm going to go grab a piece of paper out of my desk, and you're going to know what it is. And then I'm going to ask you three questions off of it. It's exciting. Pause, everybody. Oh, fun. I like this so much. I I don't know. Oh, <laughs> sorry. That was my cancel out. But I got it. No, sorry. <laughs> so for the people that are listening, because obviously you can't see this, I just grabbed oh, a so fun. social bingo card out of my desk. So when you arrive at camp, part of how Ashley integrates people is you have to play social bingo and very much so go and ask people that you don't know all of these questions. So like who you are arriving with, like you can't actually ask them these questions. You got to go ask strangers and that's how you then get bingo and you get your first drink ticket, which is, wow, such motivation. So Ashley, okay. I'm going to ask you three of the questions on here. First one is, what was your favorite band in middle school? Oh, dang. I don't... I will, I will tell you. This is on your social bingo. Card. I know. Thank you, Pat Self. <laughs> Pat's on back. <laughs> um, DC Talk. Let's not go there, though. <laughs> oh, Kevin Max, if you are familiar with DC Tech, you will like Kevin Max today. He is a flaming liberal. Ooh. Don't have to do a deep dive on this later. Kevin Max. I mean, maybe you won't like him. It's okay if you don't like him, too. Or them. Uh, okay. You just like what you like. <laughs> uh, when was the last time you slept in until noon? Oh, a question on there yes <laughs> this is your social bingo card it was probably like being in puerto rico or something like that in january i don't know i don't think we actually slept in but it would be a different time frame schedule i don't wake up super early but i definitely don't sleep until noon i can't this was a different life yes <laughs> um and then last one uh what is one celebrity celebrity you'd like to carpool karaoke with oh my god um wow self you made up really hard questions to ask. <laughs> um, a celebrity had carpool karaoke with. Um, 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 I think Bill Murray. Ooh, that's a Bill Murray or Tom Hanks. I've not heard Bill Murray talk, but Tom Hanks has the best armchair expert thing. Armchair episode expert. Yeah, yeah armchair expert. Isn't that weird? No. Um, where he just talks about the hang, like 
that all this cool stuff he's done in his life, the favorite parts are the hang. And I have absolutely seen that in like camp life and other mm. stuff too and in our crew life. It is those moments of the hang. And so I think he'd be really great to hang with. Yeah. Thing. Bad. I don't I feel like I have to find this episode now and re-listen to it. Maybe I skipped oh, over it. Yeah, I'll take it. Fucking episodes. There's so many. Even Matthew McConaughey on there uh, are like such good life lessons to me. <laughs> right. I didn't listen to the Tom Hank, Hanks one. I don't know why. It was just the hang part of it that I don't yeah. honestly remember anything else he talked about. But I was like, that is that's what's most enjoyable about life. That's why I loved working at Village Inn or Caribou Coffee or on glue. Yeah. A lot of it is the hang. Yeah, uh, plus one, the Matthew McConaughey, though. He's mm-hmm. like a very, he is the exact opposite of like what you thought like young Matthew McConaughey was. So. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. you haven't read or listened to his book, you probably should, should just listen to his book, Green Lights. Real, it's a winner. You did listen to it? Yeah. Ooh. He narrates it. Oh, fine. You know, so that like makes yeah. it extra. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, all right. All right. <laughs> all right. Ashley, it has been a joy to have you on the World's Okay's Entrepreneur Podcast. Uh, we can't wait to go hang out at your country club. I know. I can't wait. Yeah. Do some, is there going to be a pool? Okay. There's going to be a lazy river that in the wintertime can turn into a skating rink. And so you can like have pretty smooth, like sparkly magical lights all over the place and you can skate on it. Well, I can't wait to strap my skates on on the lazy river. Go on Flamingo Floaty. Uh, I'm not going to be strapping on my skates, but I will go on the lazy river part. So, yeah, something for everybody. Yeah. Actually, I'm not going to say that. Maybe I'm going to learn how to really skate, skate, skate. Live a little. Time. Yeah. <laughs> I live a lot. Let's just I know. I'm very clear about this. Well, yeah. Aw, that's great. Aw, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Ashley. That was such a fun episode. Um, If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure that you share it with a friend. That is one of the most important ways for our podcast to grow. And then also rate it five stars. That's also an equally great way for the podcast to grow. I literally, until I started a podcast, didn't know that you should be rating podcasts. So I'm letting you know now as a person that just started a podcast is go rate our podcast. It really helps us get traction on the back end on both Apple and Spotify. Yeah. And you just rate it five stars to be clear. That's the only option that's available right. to you. I feel like so often people rate things four stars, and they're like, "I love it. It's great." Four stars. And I'm like, just give it five stars. So I know let's I do five stars. I had five stars. I actually got literally. We got like a review the other day that they were like, "I fucking love this ring. It is the best." Four stars, and I was like, "What? Did you just miss a button? Like, I don't understand." For sure. So don't make us be confused. You just rate it five stars, and then yeah, go like us on Instagram and TikTok if that's where you are, or YouTube. That is one of our greatest new developments Mm -hmm. is we now have a YouTube channel that we'll be putting out. um, Currently, it's just kind of short-form snippets, but you'll be seeing long-form snippets coming in the future. So go give it a follow. And also, send us an email or a DM. It's really great to get the feedback from you all. Yeah. Have an okay week. Have an okay week. Bye. Bye.